This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello everyone, I'm Ryan Larson. And I'm B Bass. And welcome to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast by two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one. Uh, this is our first episode, inaugural episode. Um, so we will kind of detail for you guys what the general flow and rhythm of the show is going to be. And hopefully we can, you know, get get uh, get a steady rhythm going and we'll be able to bring this to you bi-weekly and it won't be completely terrible every time so that's that is our goal fingers crossed it is october uh, i think as we're recording this it is the 22nd so we are just almost a week out from halloween itself um at the beginning of, at the top of every episode we do want to do a brief check-in with each other about what pop culture things that we have been absorbed in because Although we will be dissecting slasher movies uh, specifically, we are both heavily involved in television and movies and books and comic books and all forms of pop culture. So it's the month of Halloween. Of course we've been watching things. Uh, B, what have you been watching or reading or doing? Um, well, number one, I watched Fun Size. So just let everybody know to watch that. No, yeah. I forgot how good it was. And I don't know. I just love any movie set on Halloween. And... Um, anyone who doesn't know what Fun Size is, <laughs> it is a uh... Victoria Justice. Duh. Yeah, it's a Victoria Justice movie <laughs> from the creator of uh, the OC, which we are both uh, hardcore diehard fans of. About her going out trick or treating with her brother on the night of Halloween. Yeah, and it has uh, what's his face from Jackass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Johnny Knoxville is like the bad guy in it. Really? Yeah. Do not remember that. I'm pretty sure he's wearing like assless chaps or something. Maybe not, but I, I feel like I remember seen that. that. Movie, but I don't remember that. I, yeah. I remember liking it. Yeah. I mean, any movie that takes place on Halloween, I'm probably going to like. That's tough. It was just like a fun little adventure film. It was kind of reminded me of like a PG super bad, which is like a one night yeah. and friends like mm-hmm. out adventuring and. I don't know. I can probably think of other examples, but it was fun. I forgot about it, and then I found this song that was in it. It was like what I call a low-key Halloween song. So it's like some little pop-punk song called Masquerade, but he's like singing about Halloween. Who and, does it? Um, Sleeping at Last. I've heard of that band. Yeah, I've and definitely heard of I've them. never heard of them, but I heard it in the movie. I'm like, oh, this is cool because it's a ho- like he's talking about Halloween, but it's not really like we a all Halloween know the best. Song pop punk halloween song is panic of the discos it's almost halloween yeah that one i'm a really bad singer i'm sure b is going to love that that is on the podcast forever now yeah it's great but that's a great song i don't know so i mean i watched that yesterday i've been watching a lot of stuff i started slasher season two um which so far so good but i was like one of the few fans of the first season i feel like yeah um yeah yeah i fell off about I don't know, I got like five episodes in before it became a little formulaic and I kind of completely... And it's like, it should be right up my alley. It's literally called Slasher. Yeah. Which is what we're doing. And I did enjoy the kills. Yeah. It's just, I think I And I liked the Slasher's, like, outfit. It was, like, really good. Outfits matter. Yeah. Outfits matter, people. They do. 
horror movie directors out there that will be surely listening to the podcast. Yes, Definitely all of keep you. That in mind. There's uh, some things. Hmm. Parkas are okay. Yeah. I don't hate the parka. I don't know. I can't now. Like when I'm thinking about it, I can't really think of it. I'm just. I started Hocus Pocus today, but then I turned it off because I'm like, it's not. It's not time. I'm not no, ready. It has to be Halloween. closer. It has like, to it be Halloween. To be, yeah, it needs to be closer. I 100 yeah. percent agree. Uh, let's see. I recently watched The Babysitter on Netflix. Oh yeah, I also watched that, which I loved. Um, a lot of people really enjoyed it, but gave it kind of. I heard a lot of like, oh, but Mick G, like the Mick G shit. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, I was like, I like it. I like how slick it is, and also how rare do we get a horror movie of that like that specific type of horror movie with that kind of budget and that kind of sheen. It never happens because horror movies very rarely get, like Happy Death Day, Mm -hmm. which I almost feel like Happy Death Day coming out hindered the babysitter because they were so close to each other and they got a theater release, a theatrical release, that like people looked at it and they're like, oh, Happy Death Day is superior, which it is, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but not like leagues better. It's, I think it's just, I think it, it inches ahead of it, but if it hadn't come out so close together, I think people would have embraced it a lot more. Oh, I loved it so much. Like, it's funny because I really did love Happy Death Day. I super loved it. But I find myself, like, already wanting to watch The Babysitter again. Yeah. Like, it's just so much fun and so much gore. That's yeah. what I was missing from Happy Death Day. I love gore. Yeah. And because it was PG-13, we didn't get any gore. Like, I don't know. We we're definitely going to be talking a whole episode about Happy Death Day. Um, so we won't go crazy into it, but we both watched it. We both really liked it. Mm-hmm. And the babysitter was amazing and brought Robbie Amell and Bella Thorne back together. Yes, that's true. I love any time Robbie Amell can be on screen. I don't care about Bella. She's okay, I guess. Whatever. She was in the first episode of the Scream TV series, so that's yeah, cool. Yeah, that's great. And then, let's see. Oh, I'm reading Paperbacks from Hell uh, by Grady Hendrix, which is fantastic. If you guys haven't read it, you need to run out and check it out. It's uh, all about... The paperback horror boom in like the late 70s to early 90s and it's pretty fascinating stuff he he normally does fiction but this is his first nonfiction book but he definitely has like a flair still and a, a style so it's really good uh and i think i mean like b said it's the week before halloween i've been trying to watch a horror movie a day so i've run through a, a billion you know like a lot of the old standards like monster squad and the screams texas chainsaw uh, watched mm-hmm. Final Girls the other night. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had a Friday the 13th, so I uh, watched the best one, the yeah. 2009 remake. Yes, absolutely. I, I watched that. And then the TCM remake. Oh, yeah. I agree that the the Friday the 13th remake is the best one. Um, oh, I picked up the Slash of the Titans book, so I've been watching a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street. I miss you, Wes. I miss you every day. Um, yeah, it's so October. That's... We've been watching a lot of stuff. We could go on and on. Yeah. We'll always be watching a lot of horror movies, I imagine. Uh, we will branch out. We both have movie passes. So we're going to be going to the theater a lot to see whatever the hell we want to see because we can. Because it's $10 for anything we want. All I see is you. Is that what it's called? That Blake Lively movie? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be going to watch I that, guys. We can report in on that later because I will not be watching that. Lame. Uh, even that is not merit a free movie pass movie <gasps> for me. It's boobs legsly. <laughs> God. Um, she is very attractive. But no. Um, I'll watch The Shallows at home instead. 
Our movie of the week is Urban Legends. Woohoo! Urban Legend, not Urban Legends. I said Urban Legend. I know. I'm just oh, letting okay. them know because I think every time we talk about it, it just took us this time to stop saying legends. Well, it it's understandable because most people, well, I guess it, when you speak, I don't know. I was going to say most people are talking about it in a plural context, but that's not necessarily true because a lot of times you're like, oh yeah, it's an urban legend. You're not saying, oh, it's an urban legends. True. So I don't hmm. understand why you naturally switch. Maybe because the whole movie is about multiple, multiple urban legends. Yeah. Yeah. But it is Urban Legend. Yeah. Uh, which came out, what, 1998? Like, very, very post-Scream. I, I swear we are uh, organized and we have notes. We're just not super organized. It is 1998, September 25th, 1998. It is post-Scream. It is pre American Pie, for anyone wondering, because I was, if Tara Reid had been in American Pie. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. why is that a point? Yeah. American yes. Pie, the classic slasher of 1999. No, it is uh, pre-American Pie. Yeah. Directed by Jamie Blanks, who also did Valentine, which I, I think B likes, and I don't. Yeah, you like that movie. Uh, let's not talk about it right now. Yeah, with David Boreanaz and, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. what's her name, Denise Richards, right? Oh. Who I guarantee is 30 playing like an 18 year old in that movie. So it's been a while since I've watched it in my defense. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was literally like in my top bunk, in my bunk bed. And it was like the middle of the night and I turned the TV on, it was on. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. And then it ended and I'm like, interesting. 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 Why is he crying blood? No, that's, that's who, really was my who thought. Who cries blood? <laughs> So from the genius director of that movie, but that that's after. That is after. So, that was 2001. Yeah, three years three years after. Uh, written by Silvio... Corta? Corta, I want to say. Sorry. Silvio. Yeah. If you're listening, yeah. we'll, we'll tweet at you to let you know. Maybe we can get a proper spelling yeah. or a proper pronunciation. Uh, also wrote the sequel, Urban Legends. Well, that one is... Oh. Uh, with a final uh, final cut, and apparently the series creator of Ugly Betty. Yes, which is amazing. I love that show. Miss you, Ugly Betty. They're so similar in style. <laughs> That's so weird that he wrote Urban Legend. And who came to him? Like whose idea was like, oh man, I really like Urban Legend. Now, Go to the guy who wrote it and see what he has. And he's like, listen. I got this story about, I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> about it's adapted. Betty. No, yeah. it's adapted from oh, a telenovela. Okay. Oh, yeah. that makes so, sense. So, yeah. Anyhow, uh, watch um, Ugly Betty. It's, it's uh, got a who's who of nobody who ever made it really big. Oh, uh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto sucks. I don't count him. Jared Leto made it so big. He won a fucking Oscar, Ryan. Um, I hate Jared Leto, though. He hates 30 Seconds to Mars. He doesn't hate Jared Leto. No, I hate, I met Jared Leto. <laughs> oh my God. So I met I met Jared Leto. What if Jared Leto listens to this? <laughs> He's not going to listen okay. to this. Okay, right? I met Jared Leto, and maybe he doesn't remember this. He probably doesn't. Maybe he can apologize to me or my friend. But I was at Real Food Daily in Hollywood. Oh Jared Leto came up to the table, and he said, to my friend, he said, he said, why didn't you ever call me back? And she said, Jared, I told you I have a boyfriend. And he looked at her and he said, but I'm Jared Leto. And I haven't liked him since. So when you told me this story the first time, I was like, was he just like going up to your friend because she was a pretty girl and said, why didn't you call me back? Like that wasn't a line, right? She actually knew him. Yeah, they went to a party. Like they had been at a party. She knew she had met him prior. 
to your I don't know experience how many times. with him. I don't know how many times, but they had definitely gone to at least a party together. He gave her, her his number at the party, and she never called. And he was upset about that. I like him in Fight Club. This is pre-Fight Club. Post so- My So-Called Life. Is this pre-American Psycho? Uh, Yeah. Okay. I mean, if my notes are correct. Yeah. Uh, American Psycho is amazing. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. And he's good at that, too. And... Because he dies. Oh, God. Spoiler alert. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, spoiler for this whole movie. Oh. I guess we'll throw that out there. So, I think it's just going to be a given. It's probably best in general. If you see an episode you want to watch, you should watch the movie. Because it'll be more fun. Like, we both listen to the Buffering podcast. Mm-hmm. It's about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's really great. We highly recommend it. But it is hard because I started listening to it and it had been so long since I'd seen those episodes that I was like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember that because you're going to remember certain episodes like the hyena episode. It sticks with you forever. And then I was like, nah, I got to watch it with them. So it was just more fun when I started watching with them. So if it's been a while since you've seen Urban Legend, stop, watch it, come back. You can rent it on Amazon for $3 or if you want to shout out the extra dollar for high def, which I don't know why you need to watch it in 1998 slash movie in high def but if you want to it's four dollars do uh, we watch it in high def no oh i do not pay for high def oh my for god slasher movies if i own the movie i will pay for it in high def but if i'm renting the movie especially a movie made in 1998 with no worries about being a like, high that's true like if it was like something with like cg or like like if i was renting iron man i would rent it in high def because that movie should be watched in high definition that movie should be watched oh my god okay so, Jared Leto. Jared Leto gets top billing, not the star of the movie, by the way. But he get, he gets top billing now, obviously, because he's Jared Leto. Uh, Alicia Witt, who uh, plays the star, Natalie, who has gone on to do nothing. Uh, no, she's in a episode of Supernatural Season 12. And she's also in an episode of something else we saw. I don't know. Rebecca Gayhart as uh, Brenda Bates, Tara Reid, Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Loretta Devine, Joshua Jackson, My Forever Love from Dawson's Creek. And then, of course, we get uh, horror icon Robert England as Professor Wexler, who is the uh, urban legend professor at the college that they go to. Because every college has one of those. Uh, Daniel Harris, uh, New Age Scream Queen, is in the movie as Tosh. It was one of her kind of mid-rolls after, one of her first horror roles after the Halloween movies that she was in. And then Brad Dorff gets a cameo as gas station attendant Michael McDonald in the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah, so the, I mean, the plot synopsis is pretty basic, like most slashers. Yeah, this is, this is what Wikipedia says. Urban legend tells the story of a group of pretty college students at a remote New England university. The focus of the story is Natalie, a beautiful, academically gifted student at the fictional Pendleton University. Natalie and her friends are all involved in the folklore class. Oh, it's a folklore class, right? Oh, right, right. I Not an urban legend I do legend remember class. him saying folklore. In the folklore class being taught by Professor Wexler. Wexler regales his class with urban legends, which includes Pendleton's own urban legend about a psych professor who murdered six students at Stanley Hall 25 years ago. Natalie is the first one to suspect there's a killer on campus, especially after she has ties to all of the victims. No one, including her friends... Wexler, Dean Adams, and security guard, note security guard, not cops, believes her until it's too late. Now she finds that she and her friends are part of the killer's ultimate urban legend. That's from Wikipedia? Yeah, somebody wrote that. Did Alicia Witt write it? Yeah. She was like pretty college. Yeah. 
the beautiful Natalie. No one believes her. She's so smart. Um, yeah, so the movie starts... I mean, we, we do get a kill right in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. which is based on the uh, classic... There's someone in the back seat, uh, urban legend. I don't know if you guys know that one, uh, but basically the story goes that someone is hiding in the backseat of the car, they pull over to the gas station, the gas station attendant tries to get them to go inside to warn them, but they become afraid that the gas station attendant is going to do something to them to get back in the car, and as they're leaving, they yell out, there's someone in the backseat, or variations of that legend. Um, and that's where we get Brad Dorif as Michael McDonald, the gas station attendant, and he's great as always. I love Brad Dorif. I love. I actually just love any horror movie that gives me cameos from horror stars. I think Which it's very like tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's super well, it's prevalent in slashers. slashers. Yes, yeah. just part of the reason why slashers are so great. Yes. Um, and then as the movie continues, like the synopsis says, um, Natalie. The killings start happening on campus to students. Uh, you find out that the girl at the beginning was her friend from high school. And then uh, students and teachers alike start dying in uh, at the university. Which, what was it called? Pendle... Pendleton? It ha- yeah, it's... Uh, it... And also, I found out, in the fictional town of Melbourne, New Hampshire. And it was called Melbourne because that is where from, uh, the director, Jamie Blinks, is from. Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Easter egg. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of... Yeah, so... There's a lot in this one in particular. Yes. I'm I'm not sure if it's because it's post-Scream, so they were, like, trying really hard to, like, be aware of themselves and where they fit. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know. I think to make, like, a name for yourself after Scream, because it was so meta and so, like, so tongue-in-cheek and, like, it knew it was calling itself out that you had to do stuff like that like because people were looking for it people were looking for it to be witty and smart and intelligent i don't think this movie hits on all those marks i think it definitely tries Mm -hmm. you can tell like this is to me this and i know what you did last summer are the epitome of the post scream slasher craze Mm -hmm. Uh, you can tell by the cover of the dvd which we will uh put up on the website uh which is keepscreaming.com so you can tell by the cover of the DVD that it's like a scream because all of these slashers had like a very similar cover where it's like the main characters and then like some sort of reference to the killer, whether it's like a knife in the middle or in this one in particular, someone's eye for like some with reason. broken glass. Yeah. It's terrible. It hurts me. B is a graphic designer. It so hurts she gets my really soul. offended by bad visual. Like why? Aids. I don't. I mean, I've watched this movie now, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but in the last six months, we've seen it three times. Yes. Because we've just needed to do that. But I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the relationship. Maybe somebody who understands the movie or urban legends more can uh, let me know what the significance of the eye and the broken glass, or maybe they just thought it looks cool, but uh, it sucks. It is weird, too, because the eye doesn't relate to anyone. I don't know if maybe it was a red herring. Uh, because and the I mean, eye we're going like to discuss yellow. the killer. So the eye is a male's eye, obviously. And the killer is not a male. So I don't know if it was a red herring. It looks like, if you know who Tobin Bell is from the Jigsaw series, for some reason, I feel like it is his eye. <laughs> this is his first entry into the horror world. First to- credit. Uncredited. Yeah, un- uncredited. Tobin Bell's eye. And he probably was not stuff before this because he's like a billion years old. But I just, for some reason, it feels like his eye. Maybe it's because I've been seeing his eye a lot because of the new Jigsaw movie coming out. 
I don't know. I mean, I don't have an opinion on that. I think it's just an eye, but it sucks, and I don't know. There are 11 kills in this movie. No. Yes. No. There's nine. Nine on screen. Two off screen. The car crash, which starts it all. Mm-hmm. Off screen. Uh-huh. And Professor Wexler. It's off screen. Oh, true, That's true. Robert England's character. Yeah. Oh, uh, where's Wexler? We might be getting ahead of ourselves, but where did where was he in the finale? Oh, yeah. He's just gone. So we get to, like, the finale of the film, and we see all these bodies. We're talking about a body count. Where's Wexler? Yeah, she, like, the killer drags all the bodies back to this abandoned house. Oh, it's the... It's, it's the old... Uh, it's an old housing unit for the college. So this is part of the synopsis that doesn't necessarily come across. And it definitely... Like I said, we've watched it a couple times recently. And we just watched it like two days ago. Doesn't really come across until you're really thinking about it. So in the folklore class, they're talking about this like urban legend on the campus where this professor killed these kids and then stanley hall yeah and it was like 25 years ago and Mm -hmm. and there's a part where they're like looking for the book um jared leto's character and natalie what is jared leto's character name paul paul so paul and natalie are like looking in the library and they're like oh uh professor wexler's urban legend from the professor is is missing and there's like a newspaper clipping and all these things to make you think that professor wexler is the killer Mm -hmm. and then you get to the finale and they're like in the abandoned Stanley Hall because it's not, I don't know. It's like kind of confusing. You don't, it doesn't really come across. No, yeah, at, at all. Especially because the main character Natalie is just like running randomly through a, like the school, I guess. And she finds a, no. She's, no. She's literally running randomly through like the woods. The woods. Because she's been yeah. driving away from the college. It is very weird. I don't under, I even told B <laughs> while we were watching, I was like, I don't like when a plot line hinges on like circumstance like seeing like oh she happened she has to just happen to run across this building see that the light is on break into the building through a window yeah assuming that the whoever is in there can help her and then when she gets there the killer fakes her out and screams for help it was it's not the most thought out thing it's not the best entry into a finale yes because you're just like yeah uh why how like really how is she getting here and then we're you know we're there and it's like really cool because you get to see all the bodies that have like accumulated over the movie so we start going over bodies and then we're looking and we're like wait where's wexler like we don't see his body ever right no you just see a blood spill in his office which was which is also not great really bad like the security guard walks through it and then walks backwards walks backwards and then steps on the puddle of blood so like as we watch that you can't be i mean i love horror i love low budget high budget whatever but there's something to be said for paying attention to little details like oh if she walks forward into this room and then she walks backwards into a puddle of blood either the puddle of blood just got there or you're ignoring the fact that she would have had to have stepped over it Little things like that that take you out of the movie make movies like this go from, yeah, this is really cool, this is really great, to being like, wait, what just happened? It takes you out of like the suspense and the excitement of it for not paying attention to little details. 
also coming from people that have just watched it three times in like six months but i still agree i think it's the nuances that can take a especially with a movie like a slasher where slashers are so easy to bend or break to being good to great um that's those are the things that are going to change that those are the kinds of things that we will definitely be bringing up a lot on the show because we want to talk about where a slasher stands as a slasher what makes it great what makes it not so great um i mean we do like to focus on the positive but there are some movies out there that are just not going to be very good uh and so those are those are the things that will uh deter like for us push something one way or the other um yeah, so there are nine on-screen kills that we actually get to see. There's two off-screen, so those don't really matter. Uh, we like we we are going to definitely look over every kill in every move, every slasher movie because that's what slasher movies are. Uh, it's about the kills. I mean, a lot of horror movies are about the kills, but like in particular in a slasher, that's what you're looking for. When you go into Nightmare on Elm Street, um, when you go into Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. even even Halloween, you're looking at like how effective was that kill. I mean, a lot of the times Michael is just using his knife. But there's still an effectiveness to it. Um, yeah, I think out of anything, Friday the 13th is really like the definition of how can we, what are the kills, how can we make them creative, even when the character, I mean, I guess not necessarily, but often Jason uses the same weapon. Yeah, I'd say Jason, like, as far as an established murderer, uses the most varying type of weapons. Ghostface is always using the knife. Michael's using the classic, like, kitchen butcher knife. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Freddy's got his glove. Even in this, um, our, our killer has an axe, which is her signature weapon throughout the entire movie. Although she kills people in ways other than the axe. And I'd say her best kills are the ones not with the axe. Those are her most boring kills. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that is her signature weapon. But... Um, the thing I like about this is she does use urban legends to kill all of her people that she runs her. Like, everyone that's killed is killed using an urban legend. Um, and it starts with the very first kill of the movie, which is not hers. But, in fact, you find out accidentally Natalie's kill. They were, her and her friend, um, Michelle, uh, named Michelle Mancini after the great Don Mancini, uh, we're doing the classic car headlight initiation in urban legend, which we were watching this with my wife who is from oh, Stockton. my God. I didn't – let me preface this with, like, I, for some reason, didn't know a lot of urban legends growing up. Like, it wasn't a big part of my life. And we're sitting there and we're watching the movie and his wife is just killing me. She's like, oh, no, this is real. This is a thing. And I'm like, no, it's an urban – this is real. She's, like, serious. That one might be real in Stockton. I don't know. There's a lot of things that happen in Stockton. Yeah, it's Stockton. So, but the urban legend is that uh, cars will pass you and they'll flash your headlights. And if you flash them back, they turn around and basically chase you. And if you're in Stockton, they murder you. Uh, Or if you're in this movie, they accidentally drive you off the road and you die. Um, Which, when you look back on it, it was kind of a silly way to die. Like, he got flustered that a car was behind him and crashed. Yeah. So it's not the best. But the movie kicks off with an but accidental... But that's what starts it all. Yeah. It kicks off with an accidental urban legend kill. And the killer who we find out is, in fact, her best friend slash um, wildly deceptive and crazy uh, Brenda Bates, played by Rebecca Gayhart. Another reference to horror movies with Psycho. 
Um, we find out that it was her boyfriend that they accidentally killed at the beginning of the movie. How did she find out where they're going to school? And how did she get in? <laughs> I guess she just had really good grades so she could get into wherever she wanted to go. It's funny because I watched Scream 2 yesterday. Yesterday? Another day? And I love that in the end of that, uh, you know, when we have a reveal in that movie, they bring up that, that plot point. Timothy Oliphant's like, tuition's expensive. I need funding. It's like, yeah. Like, come on. Yep. Like, Brenda, you're just, uh, oh, no, she killed my boyfriend, so now I'm going to find out what college she's going to, enroll in that college, get in, and then pay for it. And go to class. And go to class. She, and, like, like goes be to class. Be friends. She's she has to befriend her. Yeah. Like, how did they become friends? I've There's never... a lot of plot holes that I didn't thoroughly see in this movie. But overall, the kills, at least, are entertaining. So the first one, um, the first one we get is that uh, her is her best friend Michelle Mancini, who is the killer in the backseat legend. She's beheaded with an axe, which to me is one of the lazier kills in the movie. The mm-hmm. axe just doesn't do a lot for me. Uh, yeah, I, I personally enjoy the next one more. Joshua Jackson's character, uh, Damon uh-huh. Brooks, uh, the boyfriend hung from a tree legend. Do you hear how ridiculous these sound? The boyfriend hung the fifties, man. I'm telling you, in America. <laughs> Like, kids were so naive, they were just like, yeah, that's real. No, that yeah. I know a guy who, her boyfriend was hung from a tree, and she drove away thinking it was, like, a killer, and it ended up hanging him. It's a really convoluted, weird legend. So, I think, that just made me realize, I think probably part of one of the reasons why urban legends weren't a big part of my childhood is because I'm so young. Yeah. Like... I, it was so much easier because be like, oh, I heard this. You can't do that anymore. No, because you just It's Google called Google on your phone, on your phone which yeah. is in your hand at all times. Mm-hmm. And when this movie was made, that she uses a payphone, everybody. Watch it. It's great. You're like, oh, look, look at those. They're on dial-up internet in the movie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> internet existed, but it wasn't, like, accessible. It's like, I'm going to look that up, and it will take me 40 minutes. Yeah. That's Ryan's favorite plot hole of this film is... Oh, my God. We'll get to so that that's the that next kill, kill that's actually. That's the next kill. So, Daniel Harris' character, Tosh, her roommate, is, like, oh. the super goth. And she's always on this website called Goth for Goth <laughs> on her old-ass computer in their dorm room. Yeah. And, and so, poor Natalie can't pick up the phone and use the phone because Tosh is on the internet. Yeah. It's her internet, too, damn it. <laughs> and so, Tosh is online on her webs a chat room because those were a thing oh yeah children millennials i'm a millennial yeah, but if you're a, if you're shit. a younger millennial than me so i'm 29 so if you're around i would say 20 uh, 17 to 20 you might not know what a chat room is or have ever been in one the it was basically like texting but like a whole bunch of people in one room who didn't know each other talking it was chat rooms are weird there's such a weird concept to think about tune into our new podcast where ryan explains technology yeah. that explain, no longer exists yeah i explained aol so she's on a chat room called goth for goth and she's like she meets someone who's at the college and she's like oh what room are you in and then she's like come over here and we'll hook up and then she goes to the bathroom to get ready she comes back and the killer has answered the question, what room were you in? Yours. And then the killer pops up and grabs her. There are not two computers in that room. <laughs> I don't think dial-up internet could support few computers. I don't understand how the killer 
The killer was definitely not in that room when they wrote yours. They were in the room, maybe next door. Maybe we don't. That's just what I decided is that she was in the next room, our killer, and that's how they were able to type yours and then run over there. Yeah, they don't know. They never established where Brenda's room is, so it must be next door or across the hall or close because. She's not in the bathroom for very long. She basically goes in there to put lipstick on, and that's it. Oh, and her outfit is great. She's wearing lingerie, and then this is why I love the 90s. And little Baby B, when I was, I was, when this movie came out in 98, so I was six when it came out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So six-year-old me was not watching this, but probably like, I don't know, when I first saw it, 10, 11-year-old me was, I'm like, oh, yeah can't wait till I get old and I can wear cool outfits like that and then you know I became a teenager in the 2010s the turn of the millennium yeah I became a teenager in the millennium and it was just low-rise jeans and boots with the fur I missed out her outfit's great please pay all of their outfits no are so bad they're so the only person who dresses kind of normal is Jared Leto yeah, which he dresses like generic Paul, guy. Yeah, yeah. Paul Sorry, is generic Paul. guy. He wears jeans, t-shirt, button, open button up, which yeah. is actually exactly what I wore, like all of the time at that, like at that time in history. I distinctly remember because my dad would always go, "Why do you wear a shirt over your shirt?" <laughs> You're I, not still, gonna I, it I up. still remember that. Why do you wear a shirt over your shirt? I'm like, I don't know, Dad, because people, it's cool. Her outfit is. Quote, unquote, great from B. I I'm, I'm not going to judge. Um, so then she's grabbed by the killer, and she has a history of having sex in her room, even though her she has a roommate. She didn't even put a sock or a rubber band on the Gross. floor, like college movies infer that you're supposed to do. We didn't go to college. We did, but we didn't go to, like, sit no, in a dorm no room in college. Dorm, yeah. I don't know. My brother did. He never mentioned any sock stuff. Uh, so Natalie comes in and she hears her roommate and she immediately is just like, oh yeah, she's having sex. I won't turn the lights on. I'm going to put my headphones on from my disc yeah, man. Her, her Walkman. Yeah. And I'm going to fall asleep. She wakes up. Tasha's dead. Uh, we get like little weird. The movie has this tendency of like showing us how the kills happened. Like they're being photographed, like with strobe lighting almost. Yeah. Um, so it kind of flashes back to show how she was killed and then... She turns around, there's blood on the wall, and it says, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Which is the, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights legend. It's very on the nose. Uh, but another true urban legend about a similar circumstance where someone came home, heard something, thought it was something else, and didn't turn on the lights, woke up and found out someone had been murdered. So, uh, yeah, that kind of establishes, that's when it kicks into full gear... Natalie's like, holy shit, there's a killer on campus. Yeah, like she's convincing Paul that someone is killing people. We start getting red herrings right and left. There's a creepy janitor. We think it might be the dean covering things up. Because the dean's like, no, 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 it's fine. She committed suicide. Let's not call the cops. Yeah, they never call the cops. A student has disappeared and is supposed to... It's like they're still going... The part that confuses me is that students... One student has disappeared, our Mm. tree boyfriend tree hanging legend and then they're like oh no he's supposed to this when she gets on the payphone checking in to see if he's like on this weekend trip mm-hmm. but then they like go to class don't they yeah so and he's in that class yeah and he's not there and he's not there yeah. and so but they're like he's on a weekend trip but they're like oh he's like a prankster anyways and he's like kind of the 
like the the bad boy and also like he's not a very good student so he probably just ditched to go yeah. to like the the mountains i don't know i don't yeah. know what they do on the east coast and then they it's almost nice. try and convince you that he could be the killer like he was pranking her but we know it's not possible because we saw the death yeah there's like oh yeah no there's like 10 red herrings like it happens a whole lot yeah. uh that's one thing i definitely noticed was like in, in with sometimes within minutes of each other uh, there's a point later on in the movie where they're very much trying to convince you that it's Paul. And, like, two minutes later, they're like, no, it's a creepy janitor. Yeah. Um, the next skill is the Dean, played by John Neville of Monty Python and Terry Gilliam fame. Um, and he has the slasher under the car legend, which, mm-hmm. to me, not it wasn't portrayed super effectively in this movie, which this movie was rated R. Mm-hmm. So I think it could have been gorier. If you've ever seen Hostel, you know Ugh. what, like, a good ankle slashing Ugh. scene looks like. Yeah. Um, and the My dean, ankles hurt. Yeah, the Dean gets a pretty good one. It's not great. It's okay. But the, the killer's under the car, slits his um, heels with, with a knife. Which Box cutter, right? Yeah, box cutter. Yeah. Which also, really weird urban legend. <laughs> like, such a weird urban legend that, for like, people thought that people would just hang out under your car... To slash your heels. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no, like, story behind it. It's not like, oh, this guy, like, it, like he was with his wife, and he loved her heels, and she <laughs> cheated on him, so he was like, I'm going to take your heels away. No, it's just people hung out under cars to slash your heels. But, like, a weird, true, like, I swear, I remember my mom being like, oh, yeah, no, there was, like, I remember this going around, like, and people would check under their cars after they got out of, like, events. It's kind of like people checking the back seat of their car, which... So that, I I remember that, but not necessarily because there was a killer in the back seat because of that one horror movie I watched where there was, like, somebody in the back seat. And well, Halloween like famously does it. Yeah. No, but I'm talking about that weird horror movie that I can't find. Oh, The that Cabin. That I watched. The yeah. Cabin. Yeah. The, 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 barely, <laughs> the barely existing horror movie, The Cabin. Yeah, and she gets in the car... And she's, like, trying to run away from the scene. And she... And I watched this when I was, like, six. So it scarred me for life. Uh, She tries to drive away. And then you just see, like, this werewolf-type person. Maybe. I don't really remember very well. It was a wolf. This is a horror movie called The Cabin. Which, if you guys ever find it, please contact us. I need to see it. I... My dad had it on VHS. And I watched it. And... IMDb has a very scarce uh, memory of this movie. Yeah. And so then I checked the back seat because I thought there was going to be a wolf back there that was going to eat me. Yeah, Halloween definitely popularized the someone in the back seat thing. Legend, yeah. Um, but the slasher under the car legend is a real urban legend. Like, I mean, I've looked, it's online if you look it up. I've actually um, looked through, uh, I'm a big fan of urban legends. I was obsessed with them as a kid because a lot of the um, scary stories you tell in the dark, those old kids books were based on urban legends. Yeah. So I got like really into them. There's definitely an encyclopedia of urban legends out there, and this is in there. No idea what the basis is. Like, did someone out there actually do this? Because I feel like that must have happened at some point. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Look it up. The kill us now. The, the heel slit is not effective very much, but the... The chase? The chase is good, because he's, he's crawling away, the dean is crawling away, and the killer is very um, just... Uh, at taunting a, yeah at normal speed just walking alongside the car releases the emergency brake and the car starts rolling after the dean and rolls him over at the exact same time 
that he is crawling over the emergency spikes, so he basically gets killed by the emergency spikes and the car. So good. It is good. I also enjoy when a killer is walking and it's not unrealistic. Because <laughs> most times, like, come on, guys. Jason is a big guy, but his strides are not that. Like, that's why the 2009 version is the best. Because we tunnels. see. Yeah, and we see him hunker down and run. Like, Jason straight up runs in that movie. Also, tunnels. Hashtag Ghost tunnels. Ghostface runs. Freddy runs. But Michael doesn't run very often, catches up to everyone. And there's a part in this movie, um, we'll get there in like two kills, where the killer walks after someone who is full on booking it <laughs> and catches up to them. And it drives me nuts. Um, the next... Great kill. Second best kill. Yes. The next kill is the saddest kill, of course, Ugh. when the dog dies. Uh, it's blown up in the microwave, Ugh. which is based on the old lady dries dog and microwave legend. B named all these, by the way. Uh, and <laughs> these I, are my notes. I think they're very, uh, you know, like, uh, it's very intuitive to know what the legend is. Also, though, another real legend that some lady was like, oh, my dog is wet. I'm, I'm going to dry it off in the him. microwave. Rest in peace, that poor dog from that stupid old lady. Uh, pro- probably, also probably true at some point. I mean, I have definitely, like, thrown things in the microwave. Your dog. No, but, like, yeah. my jeans. What? Yeah, to dry them. How old were you? Like, 11. And then, like, my button started, like, sparking because metal should not be in the microwave. So, like, you know, I wasn't stupid enough to throw an animal in the microwave, but I bet someone in history was. Maybe she was actually, like, sadistic and not this innocent old lady. Maybe she was actually just, like, torturing animals. B took it to a very dark place. So that's Parker's dog. Parker is played by Michael Rosemary, oh. who B oh, and I Michael. both love. Uh, where she is a huge Smallville fan. I'm a big Lex Luthor fan from Smallville. The show itself is okay. He's great. He's great. He's, He's also the voice of the Flash in the Justice League cartoon. He's been cursed. in Hit and Run. He was in Curse, but also Hit and Run. Oh my God! He was in that show Breaking In, which was really good. Um, what's the new one it's not preacher but oh yeah where he plays like a fake preacher preacher. and it's called something like that yeah but i people were talking about preacher that came out you know it's literally called like fake priest or something like that hmm sorry sorry michael rosenbaum yeah it's something and i hear it's great i haven't seen it but michael rosenbaum's amazing and anytime he's not in enough things oh in his outfit let me tell you he wears a floral print shirt with a leather jacket over it, and then the floral print shirt is also open to about the fifth button. But the collar. Yeah, the collar is, like, popped. Like, and huge. Yeah, huge. Like, so popped, too. And then he's wearing his shirt unbuttoned, and he's wearing a wife beater under his shirt. And he has a pretty hairy chest. He's very hairy. Yeah, but which is weird, because I always think of him as not hairy at all, because he was like Luther. Luther. So every time I see him with hair, I'm like, oh, this is weird. Do we ever see his chest in Smallville? Yeah, right? Yeah, Lex Luthor. It's shaved. like shirtless, yeah. It's definitely shaved. Yeah, Because it, it was to not be. that hairy. No, yeah. They probably shaved like his whole body. Does he have eyebrows? And I don't <laughs> even know if he has a, Is he like Whoopi Goldberg? What? Whoopi Goldberg shaves her eyebrows. Does she? Yeah, look at her. She never has eyebrows. Like, like she doesn't draw them in? No, there's just nothing. I don't believe you. Dude, oh my god. I'm not going to look it up right now, but I promise you she does. So it was Parker's dog. Um, we get like kind of a scream callback to me because the the killer calls him yeah. on his landline in his okay. 
This kill also, we have to talk about the low-key Halloween party at his frat. Oh, yeah. So, I mean... Low-key Halloween slash celebration, celebration of the Stanley Hall murders. Yeah. Yeah. So, doesn't really come across... And then you're there, and he's at his frat party, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's party, and they've got, like, the beer bong with the dog before he dies. Oh, yeah. And then you look, and, like, a couple people are in costumes. Yeah, and there's some Halloween, like, there's like, skeletons there's, like, on the skeletons, because we're watching it, and I'm like, I've never noticed that this was a Halloween party before, but it's, like, not. It's very confusing, and why not take that opportunity to make ev- Halloween is the perfect disguise for a masked killer. Mm. And... Why not really make it a celebration or have people dress up or, you know? Yeah, I would say the weirdest part, because, so, Parker runs up to the bathroom to throw up, and the killer's in there, and he shoves a funnel down, or she shoves a funnel down Parker's throat um, and forces drink cleaner into his mouth, um, which is the, kind of a variation on the Pop Rocks and Soda legend, Uh, but... It's weird because the park, or not Parker, um, what's her name? Brenda, Brenda is in full regalia. She's in her parka and everything. And they're, like B said, there are some people like pseudo dressed up. There's but, like a. But not enough yeah. that like someone in a parka with like a mask covering their face and an axe would not go unnoticed in a very busy frat house. And we're going to go back to that point where Brenda takes all of her bodies to her final scene. Yeah. His body is there. Yeah, so she took him out of that house at some point. The only thing I can think of is she threw the body out of the bathroom window and collected it outside. Or maybe the party was over. Maybe New York is like Santa Cruz where they don't know how to party. Or New, New York, New Hampshire. New Hampshire would definitely be a state where people don't know how to party. Sorry, New Hampshire listeners. I actually don't know anything about your state, but I just in this In this fake town in New yeah. Hampshire, maybe they like stop partying at like 11. If you live in New Hampshire... Tweet at us, keep screaming cast, at keep screaming cast, and let us know when parties generally end. Genuinely. Genuinely end. (laughs) Uh, We get an off, so while this is happening, Tara Reid is the sultry voice of a radio show. So she goes to do her radio show, which by the way, like, they don't turn any lights on for her, which is super weird at the school. Like, it's all dark, but her radio man is strangled behind her before... Uh, this is not an urban legend. Oh, it is, because it's the screams the over the radio. Lo- yeah, the, the oh. love roller coaster, which they mention in the party. Like, right. oh, this is, he's telling. So there's some rando at this pseudo-Halloween Stanley Hall murder party that's talking to Tara Reed, which, what's her name in this? Tara Sasha. Reed? Sasha. Oh, yeah. Sasha, my bad. Uh, talking to Sasha and saying, like, oh, yeah, in love, what is it, love roller coaster? Roller coaster of love. Yeah, love roller coaster. Yeah, and they're like, oh, you know how the why the screams and that sounds so real? It's because they are real, and it's because somebody was actually dying. So she's hearing that and she's like rolling her eyes, like, oh my god. And then, but that's great. I love it because then that's what happens to her. Yeah, and it sets up the kill so nicely, and that's like the perfect example of taking what scream does, and being so tongue in cheek and being like, Uh hey. This is this is an urban legend. Now we're gonna show you this urban legend. Yeah, it's and great. It's the one that kills her, which yeah. was cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I did not enjoy, however, the fact that she's booking it through the halls and Brenda is calmly walking after her, manages to catch up to her. This is the first murder that Natalie witnesses. So she has found bodies. She has discovered 
she thinks she knows who the killer is at this point they think it is wexler um and she goes she can hear she is with the um the cop no with the security guard at this point no it's right before she runs in the security guard and she goes to get Sasha because she hears her over the radio, and she witnesses the murderer kill her. So it's the first time she... Oh, I guess she technically saw him kill Damon. Although not really. Mm-hmm. She saw Damon's dead body and then was chased by the killer. But, yeah, so this is where this is where storylines converge. Because now Natalie full-on knows that the killer is there, has witnessed the death of Sasha. The security guard... Um, what is her name? I know Reese. Her, Reese. Her real name is Loretta Devine. I don't know why I remember that part. But the security guard has also realized that there is a real murderer on campus. And they converge after this because that's when Natalie says, it's Professor Wexler. And then Reese says, nope, I just tripped and fell in his blood after walking over it and not noticing that it was there. So it is definitely not Professor Wexler. Um, And then that's when we run into uh, now, uh, how do they get to Paul? Because Paul comes back. Oh yeah, hmm. The security guard is suppo- is left for dead. No, that's the security guard. I think is going to get help. Yeah, that's what it is. And then they run into Paul, and and Brenda is out of her suit, and they still don't know it's Brenda. And they're driving away from the college, and he stops to get gas, and they find stuff in his car, so they think it's Paul. And he starts the Nellie runs away. This is when it gets, like, crazy. Like, they start switching, like, oh, it's Paul. Yeah. Oh, it's the professor. Well, it started. Oh, it's a professor. No, it's not, because I saw him dead, or I smelled his blood, or whatever. Yeah, so Paul's in the gas station, and they think it's him, and they're running through the woods, and then, like, Brenda's gone, and Natalie keeps running, and she comes onto the freeway, and the creepy janitor, who was also in numerous episodes of Supernatural... Uh, is there and picks her up and then he's just driving around yeah he's just driving i guess (laughs) and then they do the high beam initiation again because a car drives past them with their lights off and he flashes and the car immediately turns around it's the killer uh they drive them off the road and this is where natalie is randomly running through the woods finds an abandoned building and brenda somehow sets us up so this is all setting us up for our finale and they've really tried super hard to get you to like not trust anyone you don't know like oh my god is it paul no it's not paul is it this janitor is it like who is it they really try and deceive you over and over and over right up until you get into stanley hall i will say if you haven't seen the movie you probably wouldn't guess who the killer is Mm-mm. There's nothing, but there's also not a lot of clues. Unless other, you speak Latin. Unless you can read Latin. <laughs> oh yeah, read it. Uh, because the motto of the school in Latin is literally, the best friend did it. So if you read Latin, you know about 10 minutes into the movie. And you see it in the film. Because I was thinking about it, and we're like looking like Brenda's last name is Bates. And I don't know if you ever hear that in the movie. I think it's just one of those things where you see the credits and you see her last name is Bates. Yeah, it might it might be mentioned like once. Like maybe we passing. we hear it, but it's not like a big plot point. There's literally a scene in the movie because we mentioned it before we knew that little Easter egg, and we're like, oh, that's like the school motto. You see the plaque, and the motto is there in Latin, and you see Pendleton University, and we're like, oh, I wonder what that says. Yeah. Looked it up. The best friend did it. So I don't know if you can get, and it's an interesting thing about when this movie came out because, like we were talking about earlier. 
right now, if I wanted to, because some people, I try and just watch a movie and I don't try and get out of it. Like I'm just enjoying it. But if you really wanted to, if you're sitting in a theater or watching that movie, you just get out your phone and you're like, let me type in this phrase, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then you find out what it says. Especially in a world with, I think now in a world with DC and Marvel movies that are, and DC and Marvel shows that are so chock full of Easter eggs because they have 60, 70 years of comic book history to use. I don't, like, as a kid, I remember going to the movies, watching X-Men. I didn't have a cell phone, but, like, I knew I had read a lot of comics anyways. And there'd always be, like, some scene where they pull up a computer and there's a file, or, like, there's a list of folders with a bunch of people's names. And I was like, oh, that's Gambit. And that's, that's Strong Guy and this and this and this and this. And that still happens on, like, all the TV shows and stuff. And while I'm watching TV shows, I'll see something. I'm like, oh, I know they're a character in the comic book. Or yeah. that's, like, a reference to something. So I'll just pull it up real quick. So, yeah, in 1998, obviously couldn't do that. Because if you pulled out your cell phone, all you were doing was playing Brick or Snake or texting for, like, 99 cents a text and not looking up what, however you say, the best friend did it in Latin. But they do call it out from pretty much 10 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final kill is a bit of a letdown. So we get our classic, you know, I think the the slash, in, in slasher movies in particular, you at the end of the movie, you almost always see the slasher die. Like, mm-hmm. that is how a slasher movie ends. Um, die or sent back to hell or to the dream dimension if you're freddy or whatever whatever it may be and in this one after so successfully using almost urban legends for every single kill except for the random radio man getting strangled in a dark room they just shoot her and she falls out of a window mm-hmm. it's kind of a bummer yeah it's not great and so the whole she sets her up for the kidney stealing yeah. urban legend like that's how natalie is to die yeah if brenda gets her way and you know brenda's talking and i i love this we i love that performance i love when she's you know being all crazy and it's okay i enjoy it i, I think, think it's, it's a great bit of chewing scenery but yeah and it's just super fun and like really animated and part of why like the whole hey, this is really unrealistic, but I'm going to tell you exactly why I'm doing this to you, and you're going to understand. And she does a good job at it. Yeah, and the then... story makes sense. Like, I do, like, I don't think her going to the same school as them necessarily makes sense, but... Or becoming friends and, like, But, like, the storyline, yeah, it, like, setting up the the motive makes sense to me, which yes. is important in the slasher. Like, when, and that, that happens a lot, too. Like, very rarely are you going to get a motive anywhere in the first act of the movie or the first half it's usually like the second half the last 20 minutes of a slasher usually is when you have found out what the motive is and then the the main protagonist is still trying to get away or kill the slasher or whatever it is but you usually find out about 20 minutes before the like the end of the movie it's it's kind of the climax that's when the motive happens Mm -hmm. like in most screen movies that's when it happens yeah it's Um, the big reveal yeah like in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, it's probably about half an hour before the end of the movie when you find out what happened with Freddy. Halloween's very different because you find out right at the beginning. Yeah. Which maybe we'll have to do a deep dig on that and the impact that has on Halloween because I've never really thought of that before. Um, same with Friday the 13th. But most slashers, like when you have an unknown killer, it's like 20 minutes before the end of the movie where you get the motive. And this one made sense. Like, I got it. It, it connect like... The straight, it fit together nicely. It wasn't like they were forcing puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Uh, Brenda is works. our killer. Yes. 
She is our killer because Natalie and her friend killed her boyfriend in the High Beam Initiation Urban Legend. Yep. She's taking revenge on Natalie, comes to this university, befriends her, befriends her friends, and then slowly kills them using urban legends. The and she's very way. aware of that. Yes. Yeah. And it's great. It's a great motive. I like it. It makes sense to me. Um, it's done effectively. It's a fun, like, it's a fun motif for the kills, which I feel like doesn't happen a lot. Like, I wish I had more movies with theme kills. Yeah. Like a lot of the uh, like a lot of the time you there's creative kills, but mm-hmm. that's different than like a themed kill. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. I I know there are some. I just yeah. can't think of anything right now. But I like because a lot of them you're going to see like the more like creative side of killing. Like how can we make this like a really crazy way to kill someone? Like Final Destinations. Yes. Um. Yeah. So that's the movie. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Let me pull up. We would, we do have a loose format for the show. Yeah. And this is our first one. It's definitely a teen scream. Uh-huh. 100%. Uh, there are... So that's one thing we definitely are going to talk about, too, is, like, we just want to establish where it is in the world. What I love about horror so much is that there's horror, and then there's, like, 90 subgenres of horror, and then all the subgenres have their own subgenres, and slasher is definitely a subgenre of horror. And then you can break it down from there. There's torture porn, there's supernatural slashers, there's teen screams... Um, there's just a whole bunch of different different ways you can go. Um, this is definitely a teen scream. It's a teen scream. It's a school-based. Mm-hmm. College-based. Yeah. yeah. School slash college-based, which is another genre, like a like university or campus. I think they call it campus-based. Yeah. Because it takes place on the campus of the school. Um, the which left... is fun. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorites. It's like, because it explains why parents are involved. Which is one of the main reasons I like it. Because there are so many movies where I'm like, where the hell are anyone's parents? Mm-hmm. Um, the iconic the, the iconic weapon is the axe. But it's really the urban legends. But it is. It's That's, the use of the urban yeah. legends. Yeah. Um, the killer. Yeah. They make sense. The motive makes sense. I think B likes the killer a little more than I do. I'm not super in love with Brenda. I think she chews scenery a bit too much. She reminds me... Well, I guess it's vice versa. Emma Roberts actually kind of reminds me of her in Scream 4, but I think she plays it better. Like, she plays it closer to the chest. It's not so outrageous. But that's what I like about it. I mean, I agree with you, but I like the the over-the-top about it. That's what makes it more fun and makes you... Takes those, like, little things where, like, oh, my God, how'd she befriend these? Like, ignoring all those, like... We'll call them plot holes, but not really, because... Let's be honest, like, maybe that was written in there. It's not, you don't necessarily need to know why they're friends. Like, sure, maybe they could throw in one line, like, oh, we got roomed next to each other, yeah. and that's why. And then you're like, oh, that's how she, it'll fill some holes. But not always necessary. We don't need to know everything. When you watch it for the first time or you watch it for the first time in a while, you're probably not going to be, like, noticing all these things. We're analyzing. We're literally dissecting every single part of it. Some films are going to be more successful at paying attention to the tiny details. Others aren't. So the fact that Brenda's, like, final reveal is pretty over-the-top and she's super animated and literally loony. Like, she's a crazy person. She abrupted her entire life to avenge her high school boyfriend. Yeah. Like, that's dedication. She is unhinged. She's literally psychotic. You don't just 
you don't just, that's not a real revenge story. You don't like, oh no, my boyfriend was killed and now I'm going to, we'd have a lot of killers out there if people did that every time they lost a significant other. So she should be crazy. And, and I like, I think it's done better in Scream acting wise. Yeah. Because they do. I mean, they always come unhinged at the end and you see their like little craziness. Yeah. Maybe Rebecca Gayhart's just not the best actress. Very true. To pull that off. Also, for me, her hair is so big, it drives me nuts. And I know that doesn't affect anything. I'm just saying, her hair is really big, and I don't understand how it fits in the parka, and they wouldn't know it's her. I think she's okay. She's like, she's not criminally bad. I mean, she is technically criminally bad. She's not like super offensive as a killer. But she's She's, not a killer that you're going to be like, oh, let's talk about great slasher killers. You're not going to name her. No, I would never be like Brenda Bates. Like, even uh, even if you've watched this movie and you discuss it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, the parka. Like, you, that's mm-hmm. who, who Which you is discuss. great. Yeah. That sh- I mean, that, that's a that, great outfit. Yeah. Um, but that is, yeah, so she's she's okay. She doesn't fall, like, anywhere. She She's not going to be ranked on my top ten slashes list. Um, the position of the film in the horror landscape. It falls distinctly in the pleasure of being a Scream knockoff. Mm-hmm. Um, Which we should have more of. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Scream was a great movie. I I'll, There are a lot of knockoffs that are totally enjoyable. I am personally a really big fan of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm-hmm. Which was written by the guy who wrote Scream anyway, so that movie plays a lot like Scream. The guy, also creator of Vampire Diaries. And creator of Dawson's Creek, Kevin Williamson. Whoop, whoop. Um... But I don't. I I think this is a movie that is culturally. You had to. Be it's one of those like. I don't think people like kids, kids today. But like people growing up watching horror movies right now, this would be one of those ones that would be like, oh, have you heard of? Have you ever seen Urban Legend? Have you heard of Urban Legend? So Urban Legend becomes an Urban Legend. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's not going to be like, if you're a horror fan in today's landscape. To me, you're still going to, even though you're born however many years after the fact, you're still going to know what The Exorcist is. You're going to know what Night of the Living Dead is. You're going to know like what these movies are. You're going to know what Scream is. You're going to know what Halloween is. Urban Legend is not going to fall on that list. It's, True. It, to me, it is distinctly in the middle of the pack. It is not like really bad. It's not like, oh, I don't want to watch this. It's so bad. I think it's fun. I actually watch it pretty regularly. I'll never turn it if somebody's like, want to watch Urban Legend? I'm like, yeah. Let's watch it. Yeah. I don't think it's an important slasher. No. It's one that should be watched and have fun with. And I mean, you can even watch it. I mean, I watch a lot of movies just in the background. Mm-hmm. It's a great one for that. And but it's also great to like sit down and watch it with friends. Like it's fun. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it is fun. It That's is exactly what it what is. It is. It's yeah. not trying to be, it's not trying, it is trying to be Scream, but not right. at the same time. Scream was trying to make an impact and say something mm-hmm. and this use of scream formula put a twist on it because they're like well we can make it our own with the urban legend thing this yeah. movie was made to make money which it did yeah it made money there was a sequel which also made money and then there was a third one which made no money so don't we just get the stat that uh it's the most successful slasher happy death day is the first one to beat it in the box office yeah this is the most successful original ip not sequel not reboot slasher in america until Happy Death Day. 
So let's see, 98 to 2017. Almost, almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. Yeah, so so it, Urban Legend has its place. Yeah, it did well. It did what it was supposed to do. It was supposed yeah. to make money. It was supposed to cash in on the Scream, you know, uh, kind of slasher renaissance, yeah. and it did. Um, and, like, this will definitely be a question I think that will be fleshed out a little more in future podcasts because we're definitely going to delve into iconic slashers like Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and then also the ones that are, like, have very, very deep cult followings like Tourist Trap or... Um, Sleepaway the, Camp. Yeah, Sleepaway Camp, The Mutilator, things like that. So I think this question will flesh itself out better once we have yeah. more of a, like, a more of a roster of movies that we can compare it to. Um but yeah, like B said, this movie did exactly what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to make money. Uh, the score. B had a very good quote before we started the podcast when we were discussing this. Um, what what was the, what was the word you used to describe the score? I don't know. Unmemorable. <laughs> forgettable. B, yeah, forgettable. Because neither of us remembered it at all. I don't remember a piece. No. No. The, and the I've... guy who did the score is not bad. Like he has a his resume is pretty stacked. He's yeah. done like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. He did. Um, what was the most recent one I saw in there? There was like a really new one that he had done. Just not memorable. The only thing I remember is that there was a Rob Zombie song playing at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, probably a Tosh scene. Definitely a Tosh scene. Oh yeah, definitely had to be Tosh. I remember that. Yeah. Um, oh, Drag Me to Hell, he did. Mm-hmm. Which I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think the score is better in that movie too. Because I distinctly recall certain... But that's a Sam Raimi movie, so like the score is going to play to Sam Raimi, which is different than the score playing to Jamie Blanks. Uh, <laughs> horror icon, Jamie yeah. Blanks. Jamie, if you're listening, we enjoy the movie a lot. I love, I'll say I love this movie. No, I do, I yeah. do. I think it, I, it is I, deserving of love. I think it is the second best Scream knockoff. Yeah, I know what you did is better. Yeah. Better cast. Yeah. Now, okay, let's talk about our final girl. Um, go Reese. Woohoo. Yeah. Natalie is not I'm sorry. No. Natalie is not the final girl and so she, she gets is. the kill. She gets the kill, but it's so undeserved. She it, barely does. Yeah. She it's a co with Reese. Yeah. Reese is the security guard. Yes. Who is the real MVP of this movie? And as nobody wants to call the cops on this campus, even though there's literally students getting murdered, whatever. Let's just let uh reese take all of it and try and figure out what's happening she's running around she's helping we get she's in our finale yeah with jared leto with paul yeah um yeah so she she kind of shares the spotlight of final girl but she she is very boring she is very plain she's super vanilla she never develops a personality no i never feel like she's strong like, one of my oh. favorite thing about, like, any final girl, whether it's Sydney or, or uh, Lori or uh, Nancy or, I can't remember her name, but I just watched the final girls, that, and, like, her character, like, they, they develop an arc through the movie where they have to overcome adversity and, and become stronger than they are. Physically and emotionally. Yes, and she never does that. She doesn't do any... She I... lucks into yeah. a kill. She, I mean, she literally picks up a gun that was dropped and then shoots someone with it. Yeah. It's, she's not the best. And, and, and the whole movie too, she doesn't do anything on her own. Paul helps her figure out like all these things. Um, Wexler gives her like pretty much the idea of the, that it's being based on urban legends. Um, the, the cop is the one who does like all of the groundwork for discovering what's happening at all. She, she almost doesn't, I, I mean, her biggest moment comes with trying to save Sasha. 
that's probably her like yeah. her biggest thing and she fails at it which is normal but like there's no there's no emotional attachment there either because she's so weak at carrying the movie i guess um just this movie and we still love it uh-huh. what would have made this movie amazing is a is a, a real final girl yeah they yeah. just were very fortunate enough that the supporting cast is really likable. Yeah, that would I be mean, the best thing. Sasha's with... great. Yeah, yeah. Tara Reid's very likable. Yeah. Michael Rosebaum is incredible. He's so Jared good. Leto's good. Yeah. Robert England's good. Um, Brenda, I mean, even before knowing, because I think the first time I rewatched recently, I didn't really remember who the killer was. Uh, so, like, as I'm watching it, she's actually a pretty vanilla yeah. Best friend character. Yeah. She, so really the... It's the supporting It's Reese. Cast. Yep, Reese. It's yeah. Reese and Paul and Parker and Sasha who yep. really carry this where you're just like, all right, let's go. This is fun. This is entertaining. It's the definition of um, if you're not a fan of film or like know the phrase a popcorn flick, which is just a movie that you can sit and enjoy and not think about. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's this what this is, great is because it. it is very enjoyable. The kills are fun. You don't have to like overly think about it. You don't get emotionally attached to a whole lot of people. Uh, just a good popcorn slasher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, the last thing we'll discuss is we discussed the poster. The tagline is bad. Uh, the tagline. There's two taglines, but the the main one was "What you don't believe can kill you." Yeah, it's kind of a mouthful. Um, it's also. It's not just a mouthful, but every time I say it, I then forget what you just said. Like, say it again. You what you don't believe can kill you because it do, it doesn't like. It sucks. Yeah. Sorry. Also, I just noticed Marketing both department. of the taglines are on the poster. They put because the other one is it happened to someone who knows someone you know. That one's you're, good. You're next. That's that good because it ties into the urban legend yeah. theme. Um, you're next. Great horror movie. Yeah, that's a good one too, which we will also discuss. So I, I'd say the poster and one tagline are ineffective, um, but the other tagline is solid. And uh, when B and I put up like a brief synopsis, she found some really cool alternate posters that we'll post with credit to that the really uh, artist, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they're really good because... There's one that basically takes the poster and instead of the stupid eye that I hate so much, it replaces it with the parka and oh. the axe. Which is what it should be. That's your iconic killer. It's great. I am going to write Tobin Bell and ask if it was his eyeball because I really feel like it was. Oh my God. Just looking at it's it, I'm just telling eye. you. At the end of every episode, we're going to rank it. Um, this is the first one, so obviously it is number one. I would almost feel comfortable, you know, just like ranking other ones above it, but obviously we want to go through those first. So this is going to be number one for at least two weeks. So congratulations, Urban Legend. You are our top slasher film yeah how did we even decide to do this one first i think we wanted to do something more iconic and they were like no let's just do something like no this is how it happened normal we were gonna do the burning oh yeah but we couldn't get it's not rentable it's not on netflix anymore the blu-ray is 40 dollars, and we're just not really ready to shell that out even though we love that movie that's what we were gonna do yeah then then we're gonna do cherry falls cherry falls which we could not get a hold of yeah it's not in print anymore so we're literally sitting down to watch the cherry falls and we're like oh it's not available anymore and then we watched urban legend (laughs) yeah but it's fun it's good i mean i like it so it's number one for now 
And then, yeah, uh, that's kind of the show. And like I said, we'll get in our groove a little more, but it's going to be a lot like this where B and I kind of just go through, discuss the kills, discuss the killer, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, what stood out to us, where it stands as a slasher movie in, uh, in its company. Not in horror overall, but as a slasher. And I think it's important to note that like this is a podcast about slasher movies. So, you know, when we have a more definitive list, we have 20 movies you know, and we're sitting there saying whatever it may be, whether it's Halloween or The Burning or whatever at number one, just so you guys know, and you're not sitting there and you're going, oh, well, Halloween is not as good as Jaws. Well, okay, Jaws is not a slasher movie, and we won't be talking about Jaws. Also, Halloween is better than Jaws. We can discuss that off the air. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we'll be doing. Like I said, we'll be doing it bi-weekly because uh, B is a crazy, talented artist but she needs time to create the art that she is making, and she will be doing prints for every movie. Um, and so the first one will obviously be for Urban Legend, which will go up on our store at keepscreaming.com. Uh, it will also be on our Instagram, which is at keepscreaming. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then it will also be on uh, online. We'll tweet it, which is screaming cast, screaming cast at screaming cast. Um, so we'll be keeping you guys aware of those. Those will be limited. Um, and they're going to vary. Um, we'll see like what the response is and it's a chance for me to get to design for something I love, but it's also a chance to share, you know, horror and horror design with you guys. And so it's going to really depend. And if I get people end up being interested in and I start getting feedback like of course I'll listen to that for now I'm just kind of gonna do what I want to do uh so sometimes it might be like large posters little posters it's really just gonna depend on the format what what plays into it and uh what fits the design best so we'll, we'll kind of play that I'm gonna that's gonna really evolve for sure yes but um we'll all of this will evolve. yeah will be streamlined and smooth and sleek and sexy in amount of like a certain amount of time but who knows um we're still kind of figuring things out uh so i am ryan larson you can find me online um my twitter handle is i always forget because someone, it's ryan larson it is ryan larson i'm sorry i always forget because i get tweeted at sometimes when people think it's ryan r larson it's not so it's at ryan larson so you can find me on twitter at ryan larson um you can find us at the keeps uh keep and then I am also the editor of a positive-focused uh, horror website, GhastlyGrinning.com, uh, where B is also a contributing writer. So you can find more horror fun there. And B's going to let you know where she can find you online. Or yes, so... you can find her online. Sorry. Yes. Not where she finds you. <laughs> I'm going to be looking for you guys. Uh, B Bass. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at B Bassable. Uh, B-E-E. B-A-S-S-A-B-L-E. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm on Instagram as at B not B. Um, I am a graphic designer. Like Ryan said, I work downtown in Sacramento, but I also have a paper goods company called Pixels and Paper um, where I design paper goods for weddings and home decor, etc. So you find me working on that stuff. So a design firm called Team V. And like Ryan said, I... A contributing writer to Ghastly Grinning and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, we will be available on iTunes, uh, on Google Play, on the iHeartRadio app, and on uh, Stitcher. 
And so you can rate, review, subscribe, help us out. Go ahead and tweet about us. Write to us. Uh, our email is keepscreamingcast.gmail.com so you can write us questions or comments. And we will be back in two weeks to discuss a as-of-yet undetermined slasher film. Whatever we feel like. Keep screaming. Okay. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And we're the co-hosts of Scream 101. Which is... Your premiere podcast for horror movie reviews. Tell me more. Every month, we watch four horror movies based around a certain theme, like vampires, aquatic horror, 70s proto-slashers, just different genres. Okay. I'm a huge horror nerd. He is. Sergio is not so much. Everything you tell me goes in one ear and out the other. But he's a very nice young man, and he's willing to come along this journey with me, and we can give you our two different perspectives and hopefully a couple laughs along the way. That's the dream or the plan. Come with us on this journey of joy. (laughs) On this never-ending tale. On this season of Scream 101. Find us on podpeople.me.